All right, well, this is part 22 in our Romans series, and we will uh, finish Romans chapter 7. And as we discussed last week, uh, Romans 7, Paul is dealing with the struggle with sin, right, in the flesh. Um, In chapter 6, we talked a lot about our spiritual reality, how we are in Christ. We're dead to sin. The old man is dead. He's been crucified with Christ. That is your spiritual reality. But the physical reality is you're still in your flesh. And you have that struggle with the old man and the new man within you. And uh, Paul deals with this struggle here in Romans chapter 7. Uh, so we'll start at verse chapter eight, uh, verse 8 in chapter 7. And we'll read down through the end of the chapter. He says, But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law was holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was in that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. (coughs) So here Paul is dealing with his own struggle with sin in the flesh. Um, last week we covered how he said he, he struggled with coveting, with lust, and how that, that struggle was brought to light within him uh, because of the law, right? Thou shalt not covet. And so that's what he says, but sin taken occasion by the commandment. And this is what we covered last week. Uh, it wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. That word concupiscence is not one that you probably hear today used in our English language now, but it simply means uh, lust or all manner of lust. And so again, coveting, and that's what's here in the context, right? In verse 7 he said, um, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said that shall not covet. But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of lust. Uh, so again, we talked about how the law introduces or shines a light on the sin within you. Exodus twenty seventeen is the law, thou shalt not covet. It says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So in our sin nature, being in Adam, you hear that law, right? Thou shalt not covet anything that is thy neighbor's. Well, before you heard that, you might not have even 
worried about your neighbor. Well, once you heard that, now you're thinking, right, why would I covet my neighbor's ox and his ass and his possessions or whatever? And then you look at what your neighbor has, and all of a sudden you're like, well, that that's better than what I have. And you start to covet, right? The law shined a light on that sin within you. And we know, of course, the law wasn't bad. The law told you what was right, right? It's wrong to covet your neighbor's things, but it shined a light on uh, that sin in you. That's what he says here, for without the law, sin was dead. Uh, the law reveals our sin nature. There's something in us that just wants to break the rules. Well, when you don't have rules, then that's dead in you, right? That desire to break rules is not there when there's no rules to be broken. So that's what he means by without the law, uh, that sin was dead. Um, he says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Here Paul is speaking theologically when he says, I was alive without the law once. Uh, because Paul was never without the law. If you look at Philippians 3, 5. He says he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. So he says he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. So all Paul knew was the law, right? He was born a Jew. He, he said he kept the law. He said in the law I was blameless. So he was circumcised the eighth day. Okay, so he never knew life without the law. Uh, he was born a Jew, born under the law, and of course he kept it. So he's speaking theologically here as the human race, right? Uh, the human race was alive without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So Genesis 3, the only law given to Adam and Eve was don't eat of the free, uh, fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when you read this account... Um, they were tempted, of course, you read here, they were tempted by Satan to eat of this tree. Um, if there was never that law given, again, they would have never had that desire to break it, right? And, of course, you had the temptation of, of Adam, I mean, of Satan there with Eve. Uh, but Paul here is speaking theologically, right? There's something in us that just wants to break the rules, okay? And that's what the law exposes. It exposes our sin. Uh, of course, we've read Romans 3.20 talks about how, right, the law shines that light on sin, uh, by the law is the knowledge of sin. The strength of sin is the law, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. So again, the law isn't bad. It just exposes the bad within us. Um, he says, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life. So again, the law is good. Uh, the commandment, the law was ordained to life. Leviticus 18.5. Uh, God says, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So again, if a man does them, he will live in them. Right? When you kept the law, it was life unto you. Uh, you look at Ezekiel twenty eleven. says, and I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. So again, if you live in the law, it was life unto you. In Luke 10, when Jesus heard for the ministry, of this rich young ruler 
approaches Jesus and asks, what shall he do to inherit eternal life? Um, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And this is actually a different uh, scenario than the rich young ruler. Very similar to the rich young ruler, where he says, What shall I do in inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Keep the law. So again, the law was ordained unto life. If you kept it, you receive life. Um, that's what Paul here says. It was ordained to life, but I found it to be unto death. Um, the reason he found it to be unto death was because he could not keep it. Uh, Romans 10.5 um, he says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live in them. Galatians 3.10 So again, if you put yourself under the law, Paul teaches, James teaches, right, you have to keep all the law. And if you break one, you're guilty of all. Galatians 3.10 it says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curses every one that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So again, if you put yourself under the works of the law, put yourself under that law, you're also under its curse if you break it. And so this law, again, was ordained unto life. If you keep it, right, you receive life. But Paul found it to be unto death because he couldn't keep it. Right, He broke it, so therefore he got the curse of the law, which was judgment, death. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 7, another place. He says, But at the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Here he calls the giving of the law the ministration of death. Again, that's what it is. It exposes our sin and shows us you're worthy of death. Okay, It revives sin in us. And so, it, again, shines that light on our sin. So that's what he's saying here in verse 10. The commandment which was ordained to life, I found it to be unto death because I found I could not keep it or expose the sin within me. He says, For sin, taking occasion by commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Again, this confirms verse 8, right? Sin took occasion against the commandment, and by that it slew Paul. Again, that sin revived in Paul to break those laws, right? He found out, Lust by the law, thou shalt not covet. Um, but here he says, Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. So again, some people would say, Well, if the law exposes my sin, the law is bad. No, that sin was already there. You're the one that's bad, right? That sin's already there. The law just exposes that. So here Paul confirms, right, the law is holy, it's just, it's good. Uh, Psalms 19.8, David also says this. He says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So the commandment of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eyes, right? It shows you what is righteous, what is holy, what is good. You're the problem, right? It's the sin in you that is the issue, not the law. Um, so again, Paul here uh, makes it clear he is not anti-law or teaching that the law is bad or that the law was a corrupt thing, a sinful thing, right? The law is good. He says it's holy, it's just. And this does not mean we're under the law, right? We are holy in Christ. We are justified in Christ. We do good because of who we are in Christ. 
So he's not here saying, right, the law is holy, just good, so you need to keep it. No, he's saying the law is just holy, good, right? It's pure, but it can't justify you, right? It can't make you do right, right? It can't make you holy. It exposes your sin. And he talks about in Galatians how the law is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ, right? To show you your need for Christ. Um, we're made holy in Christ, not by keeping the law. First uh, Corinthians one thirty. It says, but of him are ye in Christ, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So again, in Christ, we are made righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We get that in Christ. Now, Romans 4, 24 and 25 talks about how Christ died for our justification and rose again, right, that we could have life. So again, we're justified in Christ. Ephesians 2, 10 Says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So again, we do good because we are in Christ, right? Not because we're trying to keep the law and create our own righteousness or holiness. So again, the law is good, it's just as holy, but that does not mean we're under it, right? But Paul is making it clear he's not against the law. He's not teaching the law is a bad thing, okay? Uh, the law is holy, it's righteous, it was given by God. So he says, was then that which is good made death unto me? So again, that question, right? So if the law is good, is that good thing now made death unto me, right? Is the good thing now made a bad thing? And of course, the answer is God forbid, right? By no means. Um, it is the sin that brings the death. So again, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the strength of sin is the law, right? The sin is the thing that brings the death, and it uses the law to do that. Uh, Romans 5, 12 it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So the law isn't what was made death unto you, it's the sin in you, right? By sin, death came upon the world. Uh, that it might appear sin, he says here, uh, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. So he says that it might appear sin, working death in me. Uh, so this is what sin does. It works death in you. But again, the point here is also that the point of the law is to show you what sin is, right? Sin, that it might appear sin. So again, without the law, you don't know your sin, right? You don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. Again, the law exposed that, that it might uh, show your sin. And he says, uh, sin by the commandment might become exceedingly simple. So it exposes it, shines a light on it. It becomes exceedingly clear, right, the sin in you when you have the law. Um, so again, by the commandment uh, might become exceedingly sinful. Again, showing the law exposes what was already there. So again, the law didn't put sin in you, right, it just exposed what was already there. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Again, the law is spiritual. The law was given by God. It's spiritual. It is holy. He says, but I am carnal. Uh, the word carnal here does not mean sinful, as most people make it out to be. Right? Carnal means sinful. It's not what it means. It actually means fleshly, right? Your flesh. Uh, carnitas, I think, is the Mexican word or Spanish word for pork. Is that right? Or meat. Carne, I think, is meat. That's what, that's what carnal means. Uh, it means the flesh, right? Carne. Meat. Like carnivorous people. Yeah, carnivorous. They eat meat. 
So carnal means fleshly, right? Not sinful. So he says the law, it's spiritual, but I am a human. I'm fleshly, right? This is flesh. I'm fleshly, sold under sin. Uh, the sold under sin here is all the human race being in Adam, right? We are sold under sin. We are in Adam. We are born sinners. Uh, because of the sin in the Garden of Eden, we are under the penalty, power, and presence of sin, right? So we are sold under that, being fleshly. Um, for which, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So again, he's explaining that struggle between the new man and the old man, right? Uh, that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So what I want to do, this is a simple version. The things that I want to do, right, I want to do right, I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, the bad I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Right, that's a struggle. You ever uh, do something you're like, why did I do that? Right, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I know it's wrong. Why did I do it? Right, or I want to do this good thing today. And you forget, or you don't do it, or you try and you fail. Right, I wanted to do good. I wanted to do righteousness today, but I didn't do it. And I didn't want to do this over here, right? I didn't want to punch this person when I got angry, but I ended up doing it in the moment, right? So the things I don't want to do, I do. The thing that I uh, do want to do, I don't do. Uh, so that's what he's saying here. Uh, I allowed not, that phrase, he says, for that which I do, I allow not. Uh, what that means, uh, that word allow means to know or understand. I think what he's saying here is, right, for that which I do, I allow not. So this is the bad thing, right? The thing that I do that I don't want to do, I don't understand why I do it, right? You understand you're doing it, but you don't necessarily understand why you did it, right? Again, you don't want to do the bad, but you just find yourself doing it, and you don't really understand why you did it, right? You might ask somebody, why'd you do that? I don't know, right? You ever get that response? It's kind of, I think, what he's saying here, right? I don't know why I did it. I don't understand. Um, he's definitely saying he doesn't approve of what he does. So again, that hypocrisy, right? He might preach against what he does, but then he finds himself doing it. So again, the thing that I do, I allow not, right? I don't approve of it. I don't understand why I do it, right? But I find myself doing it. So again, that's that struggle uh, between the new man and the old man. Galatians 5.17 says something similar. It says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So again, the spirit and the flesh, they are contrary one to another, right? And you have that struggle within you being in Christ, having the new man. He says, if then I do that, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. So he says, if I'm doing the things that I don't want to do, right? If I'm sinning, even though I don't want to, then I consent unto the law that it is good. I consent unto the law. He's saying he agrees with the law, right? He joins the law in condemning himself, right? The law is good and the law exposes my sin, and if I want to do good but find myself sinning, then I consent or agree with the law that I'm a sinner, right, is what he's saying. So he consents to the law that the law is good, right? It's not the law that's the problem, it's him, right? It's the sin in him that's the problem. He says, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So again, the new man, right, he doesn't want to do it. It's not him that does it, it's the sin in him that does it. Sin is the problem. Um, it's important that you right, identify what the issue is, and here it's the sin dwelling in me. Uh, so again, this is what he agrees with the law, that sin dwells in him. Um, if there was no sin, then the law would have no purpose. Right? Again, the purpose of the law was to 
shine a light on sin, to show our need for Christ. He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, but for the will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which is good I find not. So he says, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Again, lost people, the old man, he can be religious, but that doesn't mean he's good. Right? That doesn't mean he's righteous before God. Um, religion is not righteousness. Right? Um, of course, we know the just shall live by faith. Right? You don't live by works. You live by faith. Again, Christ did the work. It's only faith in Christ that you can be justified. So even though maybe the old man can do good things and be religious, it doesn't mean right. he's righteous. So he says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Um, for the will is present with me. So again, that phrase, in my flesh dwelleth no good things, some might make this the total depravity of Calvinism. Again, the total depravity of Calvinism is you can't do good, right? You're totally depraved. You don't want to do good. You will never do good. You have to have the Spirit enjoy you before you can do any good. Uh, that's not what he's saying here, I don't believe. I think that's making a little more of it. Because this phrase, he says, for the will is present with me. So again, in his flesh dwelleth no good thing, right? He has sin here in his flesh. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to do good, right? He says that will is present with me. Calvinism teaches you wouldn't even want to do good. And that's not what Paul's teaching here. Um, and of course, total depravity, once you agree with the way Calvinism teaches it, you kind of have to agree with the other four points of Calvinism. So if you go down that direction on the first point of their tulip, you'll end up agreeing with all of it. So I think they kind of make more of what Paul says here. He says in his flesh... Jolleth no good thing, but that will to do good is present with me. Um, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So that's the issue, right? You may want to do good, but how to perform that, right, you find not. You want to do it, but again, the things I allow not, that do I. And so that's the issue. You find yourself, uh, you don't know how to perform what is good. Uh, the law tells you what to do. You can have the will to perform it, but we don't know how to perform it. Right, and that's the issue. Might want to do good. The law tells us what is good, but we don't know how to perform that. Right? Again, we find ourselves doing what we don't want to do. Uh, new Testament Israel, New Covenant Israel, when they get their new covenant, they have a way to perform right the law, and it's not by their own power, but by the Spirit of God in them. Ezekiel thirty six twenty seven. It says, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. It says, it's talking about the new covenant when Christ sets up the new covenant with Israel. He says, He will put his spirit in them and cause them to walk in his statutes. So again, it's not them doing it in their flesh, right? They don't know how to perform it. It's the spirit of God in them causing them to do those things. But again, we're not under the law, we're not under a covenant, so we don't know how to perform that which is good in our flesh, right? So as he says here, uh, he has that will to do it, but to perform it, uh, he can't find how to do that. Verse 19 is a repeat of verse 15. Again, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that, do, that I do. So again, that dichotomy, that struggle. Things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. He says, now, in, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So again, sin is the problem. Uh, concerning your future, sin is taken care of, right? Christ was judged for you, and if you're in Christ, he took that penalty, so you're not going to be judged eternally for your sin. Christ did that. 
2 uh, Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him to be sin who knew no sin for us, that we could be made the righteousness of God. So again, Christ took your sin, and if you're in Christ, sin is not an issue concerning your eternity. Right? It's just an issue right now in the here and now. Uh, but being still in your flesh right today, you have to reckon yourself dead to sin. Okay, again, it's the mind, right? You have to reckon it to be true. Okay, that's who I am in Christ. I'm dead to sin. I'm a new creature, right? I'm eternally secure, saved. My sin issue is taken care of for my future. But today in the flesh, I have to reckon that to be true. I have to reckon myself dead to sin. And of course, that's what Romans 6.11 says. Um, it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. So you have to reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin because you're in Christ and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right, so you're alive unto God to serve God. Um, so that's what he's saying here, right? Sin that dwelleth in me. That's the issue, right? I don't want to do the bad. It's the sin dwelling in me that does it. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Uh, I find then a law. This is not found in the Torah. Okay, he's not talking about the Mosaic law. Uh, he's talking about a principle is what this means, right? I find then a law, a rule, right? This principle uh, he says, a law upon me, right? That's what Paul is saying. I find in this law, this, this rule, right, uh, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Um, again, it's important to identify the enemy. In Christ, you are complete. Colossians 2.10 says, in him, you are complete, right? Uh, it's sin that is the issue, right? And you need to identify that. Sin in me is the issue, right? That's what I struggle with is the sin in me, my old man. Um, who I am in Christ, I'm complete, right? And you have to, right, align your mind with that and walk in that. Um, so again, it's important to identify, right? Don't try to say, I'm going to make my flesh good. No, Christ has already made you complete. You can't do it, right? You have to identify that your flesh is the issue, right? It's the sin in you that's the issue before you can ever overcome that, right? Um, so you have to identify what the enemy is. He says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So again, the inward man is the spiritual speaking, right? The spirit of God in you wants to do righteousness, right? You can delight in the law of God in the righteousness, right? But that's your inward man speaking, right? The spiritual, that's who you are in Christ. That's the new man delighting in that. Um, he says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So again, he's talking about this struggle here. Members warring against uh, my mind. The members here is, again, your flesh, and the mind is the spirit. Uh, so you have, right, the members, your flesh, warring against the mind, the spiritual. Um, again, that is his dichotomy, right? He sees that law of his members, his flesh, warring against his spirit, uh, and it brings him into captivity to the law of sin, which is in his members. So against your flesh, the old man, sin in you, that is the issue. And so his kind of conclusion here is, O wretched man that I am. Right? And this is kind of his conclusion to what he's been talking about here. When he's talking about, right, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. I have sin in me, right? I'm slain by this sin, by the law. Sin takes occasion by that. A wretched man that I am, right? There's nothing good I can do. I continually go and sin and sin and sin, even though I don't want to, right? Again, you're a wretched man. Same thing for me. A wretched man that I am. I don't want to sin. 
right? The new man in me wants to serve the law, right? Wants to do the law, wants to serve righteousness, serve God. But I find myself not doing it, a wretched man that I am. So he asks this question, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Again, you see he says the body, the sinful flesh, right? That's the issue. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And of course, he answered his own question in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right, so Paul answered his own question. Only Christ can save us from this struggle and from our sin, right? From this body of death. It's only by faith in the finished work of Christ that we can be saved, right? Um, our trust must be in him and not in our own goodness, right? Not in our own ability, not in our own power. Again, you have to understand who you are in Christ, understanding you're dead to that, understanding you're completing him before you can reckon yourself to be dead to it. Right? You have to understand all this to overcome this struggle. Um, so it's only through Jesus Christ that you can ever overcome this. Um, I know there's a lot of other false doctrines like Gnosticism. There's a few others where they kind of say, right, the flesh is in reality, right? You're, everything's spiritual. Anything you do in your flesh doesn't matter. It's not reality. Only the spiritual realm is reality. I think is what Gnosticism teaches. Um, monks and all them, they kind of go by themselves to try to get away from fleshly things, right? To try to be just spiritual. And so, again, you have these wrong teachings that try to overcome the flesh, but it's not going to work. The only way you can overcome it is through Jesus Christ, through his finished work. And so he says, uh, So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, this is the experience of every Christian, right? It isn't a reason to excuse sin, uh, but simply Paul's explanation of our physical reality, right? With the mind, you serve the law of God, right? You want to do righteousness, you want to do right. But with the flesh, right, you serve the law of sin. So that's not saying, well, I wanted to do good, but I ended up sinning, but, you know, that's just who we all are. That's not what he's saying. It's not an excuse he's making. He's just simply explaining the reality of the situation, right? You want to do good, but you find yourself uh, sinning. Um, and he's going to carry this idea further into the next chapter, chapter 8, and he's going to deal with walking after the Spirit to overcome this, right? So again, he's not making an excuse here. He's going to go further into it and deal with, right, in Christ, you have the Spirit, and that's how you overcome this, by walking in the Spirit, right? So he doesn't make this excuse or try to say, right, this is just reality of it. Oh, well, right? He goes into dealing with walking after the Spirit, walking after who you are in Christ, right? Um, so any thoughts or questions on this?